Welcome to the first episode of season two of the Building Builders podcast, a podcast made for contractors. Today's guest is Vince Haefeli, president of Ajax Paving and an advocate for mental health and suicide prevention in construction. In this conversation between Vince and Kevin, topics include Vince's personal relationship with suicide, why mental health and emotional safety matter just as much, if not more, than physical safety, how he's implemented mental health programs at Ajax, and the impact of those programs. As September 10th is Suicide Awareness Day, we thought this would be a great episode to open the new season with. Because the topics discussed on this episode are extremely sensitive, we have linked resources to suicide awareness and mental health programs in the description of this episode. Remember to follow and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you're using. Vince, it's great to meet you. Thanks for joining our uh, Building Builders podcast. Well, thank you for having me here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I, uh, I love your uh, your background there, um, the reclaimed wood. It's actually from an old barn up in Georgia. Oh, really? Nice. Re- yeah. Recycled. Was that a, a project of yours? We built a um, kind of a lodge on the back of the property here for the employees to use to go back and kind of relax and have meetings and this was a little of the wood that was left over. Awesome. Um, so Vince, we have uh, um, kind of a serious topic uh, today. Uh, I've been looking forward to, you know, chatting with you and, and sort of learning more. But, uh, you know, our, our, talk, our topic today is we're going to be talking about suicide. And uh, I know this conversation is, uh, you know, very personal uh, for you. Um, can you give us a little background on your story and, the, you know, the process of how you started to open up? Well, it's a long story. Um, yeah. It, when I began to open up, let me maybe begin there. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a doctoral program at the University of South Florida. And uh, I originally wanted to research frontline leadership, how we take the great tradesman and we make him a foreman and we generally set him up for failure because we don't give him the tools he needs to go from the hard skills to the soft skills. And a professor there told me that that is a weak topic. Go find something a little more difficult. And I pushed back on him and said, you know, I, I've looked and there's not any research on that. And he said, they did it in the medical profession. Go look at why they found why physicians fail when they make them administrators. So he pushed me. I had already written a paper that I had published for a conference over in India. And my hook line in that paper was suicide in the construction industry. That one, the piece to pull people in to want to read the research part of the paper. Right. Um, so that pushed me kind of in the area of starting to open up. Mm-hmm. If I go back to 1989, in May of 1989, I learned that my 36-year-old brother was terminally ill. Uh, two months later, my father passed. And four months after that, my wife and I lost twin sons. Um, it wasn't it wasn't long after that then that my brother eventually passed. And just before his passing, we learned that my mother had an incurable form of cancer, and I, we lost her. So by the wow. time I was 33, I had 
lost what was my family, and we were a very close family growing up. I mean, we camped, we water skied, horsebacks, motorcycles. We did everything as a family unit. So growing up as a child of the 60s and 70s, I was raised to be tough, strong, macho, don't share your emotions and feelings, right? My dad always told mm-hmm. me they, they, they take the crazy people down to Anna Jonesboro. I grew up in Illinois, and Anna Jonesboro is where the mental hospital was at. And he said, don't share your emotions and feelings or you'll end up down there. So I didn't talk about that to anyone. I didn't share it. I mean, I didn't even tell my wife at the time of how I was struggling. I, I put on this face. I put on this shield of toughness. But on the inside, I was, just, I was devastated. So if, if we fast forward into 05, 06, 07, Marriage is starting to fail. I'm beginning to feel like a failure in life. I feel like I can't do anything right in my personal life. Yet in my professional career, it's flourishing. I'm I'm moving up the ladder with advancements. Um, So I, I came home in 07 to a night at dinner, and we ate. Something was said I don't even recall if it was during dinner or after and I can't even tell you if it was anything really all that bad but I just said to myself I've had enough I I got up and I went out and put the keys in the ignition of my truck and drove off and I, I drove out here where I'm at today Back behind our asphalt plant is where I was heading. That's where I was going to take my life that night. And I received a telephone call that said, hey, we know where you're going. We know what you're going to do. And your son is on his way there. And my son at the time would have been 18. So, hey, I did what I had done. I laughed. I joked it off. I put on a front and said, hey, I'm just out for a ride. I'm heading home. I went home. I went into the house, went to bed. And got up the next day and went to work just like any other day. And didn't talk about that night to anyone until July of 2021. Uh, I didn't. Wow. I didn't talk to a therapist. I didn't. The only people that knew was my son and my wife at the time, which became my ex-wife in 08. Um. I found out in 2021, actually, that my daughter knew. I didn't know that she knew. And so I found out that actually three people knew. So now in July, I'm getting ready to, July of 21, I'm getting ready to begin the research. And uh, at a weekly manager's meeting here at the company, I had 16 the key leaders in for our weekly meeting. And I, I told them in January of 22, we're going to begin addressing mental health and suicide here at Ajax and the company. Uh, January 3rd, 22 is our annual safety day. For whatever reason, I decided to tell those 16 people about that night in 07. I hadn't planned to. I'm not sure why I did. I just, I, I did. And um, as you maybe can imagine, the room was quiet. There wasn't really any conversation. There was just me 
me telling my story and the struggles I had been through and where I was at in life at that point. Um, so we did. In January, we rolled it out to the company. And now we're into month, coming up on about month 18. And uh, it's kind of changed the culture of our, of our company all for the better. So long answer to your story of how I got to where I'm at. Wow. <clears throat> Vince, thank, thank you so much for sharing that with us. That is a unbelievable story. So, so sorry for your loss, uh, you know, many years ago and, uh, um, you know, great to hear, uh, and, and want to talk more about, uh, how this is working out now that you're, you're talking about it. Um, but thank you for sharing uh, with us. You know, the important thing for people to, to know is that, Hey, as bad as all those things were that happened to me, there's been probably a lot of people in this world that have had things even far worse than that. My, my weakness was in not talking about it to anyone. My weakness was in trying to be a macho man. So, I mean, there's the lesson to be learned from my story. Talk. So, so you know, um, my question here is why, you know, kind of building on that why why did you keep it bottled up so long was it were, were you concerned about you know how co co-workers might think about it or what um what kept you holding it in so long for the first 17 years of my career from 1985 to 2002 i worked on the engineering side of the construction industry i came i came to work here at ajax in october of 2002 in June of 2003, I had walked in to the president's office and said, hey, when you're ready to be done, I want to run this company. So now we get to 07, and I'm going through all these struggles, and I'm there to take my life. How am I going to tell him that I can't even manage my own personal life and expect him to allow me to manage a company with 500 people? So there was fear of losing what I had asked for. There was a embarrassment. There was shame. There was fear of what will people think of me? Will they perceive me as being weak? Um, but I will, will tell you that I tell that to people all the time. Everything that I thought would happen if I shared my story, just the opposite has happened. Um, I thought I'd be perceived as weak and uh, I feel like I've been empowered and I feel like people see me as being more strong. Um, and I guess I justify saying that because I, I, I've been asked to give talks in the United Kingdom. I've been asked to give talks all over the U.S. because people are wanting to learn from my story and um so, yeah, I, I thought I would be perceived as weak, a loser, and all that, and uh, it's just the opposite. People are really compassionate and willing to help, but you got to be willing to talk wow. about it. That's amazing. Um, Vince, and now, now you're the president of this company, um, yeah. and you're opening up, you're you know, talking about this shared experience. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit more about you know how things have uh, changed at Ajax and you know what uh, 
um, sort of other conversations are happening there now. Okay, so we, we did what I said we would do. On January 3rd, I got up in front of 400 people here in the company and told them we were going to begin addressing mental health and suicide. I told them, hey, I've been there. Uh, that safety day ended about 2.30, 3 o'clock. And by 6 o'clock that evening, I'd begin receiving emails and telephone calls from employees thanking me for saying we were going to do that. Um, I had one email from a, a superintendent at the time, actually a project manager, and he said, I've had this guy on my crew, and I think he's been struggling for a long time, and I didn't know what I should say. I didn't know how to approach him. And our, our ride back to Tampa today, we talked about it, and he is struggling. And, hey, I've come to realize that even I'm struggling. And we both decided to go and give some help, talk to someone. Uh, that's in January. In July at our mid-year safety meeting, uh, one of the individuals came forward, and he said, what you did on January 3rd saved both my career and my marriage. Um I've got all kinds of those stories. We, we created a toolbox talks, and we lost an employee to suicide in 2015. I was the last person to see him. So the, the past September, September is Suicide Awareness Month, and the first week of September is construction. Uh, we made a toolbox talk that I took out to the field. The first crew that we went to where we shared the, the talk, they wanted to open up and tell me about an alcohol intervention that they had done two weeks earlier and, and gotten one of their people in for treatment, and they were proud of it. The next crew uh, that we went and saw, one of the men on the crew wanted to tell us a story about his father that had taken his life 10 years earlier and um, how he walks every year with a picture of his father on the back of his shirt. And his mother now volunteers at a helpline. The third crew that we went to, one of the men on the crew wanted to show us his wrist where he had tried to take his life. All those stories were there prior to January 3rd of 22. But nobody ever shared those stories because of why I wouldn't share my story. So uh, on that January 3rd, uh, I tell leaders, they say, how do we begin this journey? It's about this simple, I tell them. Commit to having four toolbox talks a year. Leadership commit to standing behind it and saying we are going to support this initiative. And spend $100 and buy some hard hat stickers with 988 National Help Suicide number on there. I said, so for $100, a little bit of your time, and four talks a year, you can begin the process. So that was our plan. That was our goal. And that's how we began. And then uh, the past November, we sent 11 people through that wanted to get trained as mental health first aid responders. Some wanted to get trained because... They felt like they had some children that were struggling at home, so they thought this would help them in their home life. Uh, some wanted to train to be resources for people here in the company. So we had 11 last November. We had 12 more that went through this March. 
So we're growing the pool inside of where people can go talk to someone that's a peer, someone that's on their level. Not everybody wants to come and talk to the president, right? So now they've got resources. They have other foremen. They have administrative people. So prior to January of 22, it was rare that we ever had anyone say, hey, do we have an an EPA, do we have, is it in our insurance plan? I was just looking about a week ago. We have someone now about every five weeks coming forward and saying, hey, I need some assistance. Where do I go? What do I do? What does it look like? So it has, we've always had a caring culture, but we're now at even a higher level. This podcast is sponsored by Dozer, an online marketplace for heavy equipment rentals across North America. Partnering with thousands of rental houses, Dozer provides contractors with access to local suppliers, transparent pricing, mobile ordering, and an industry-leading payment option of 0% interest for 60 days. Go to dozer.com to find your next heavy equipment rental. That's D-O-Z-R dot com. This this is uh, unbelievable. Um, Just a really great uh, program uh, that you're building there, Vince. uh, so I, I wanted to ask you, you know, with safety, it seems to, uh, extend a whole lot past physical safety, uh, but to mental and emotional safety. Um, can you explain, explain that a little bit more? I tell people we probably should have begun addressing mental health safety before we begin addressing physical safety. Um, mm-hmm. I can give you a hard hat and some steel toe boots and some goggles and hearing protection. But if your mind's not in the game, if you're not there that day, all that other equipment doesn't do a thing for you. I, I ask people, wouldn't you rather me show up today? If you go back to 1989, when I found out my brother was terminal, wouldn't have my employer rather me showed up and say, hey, I just got some devastating news today. Maybe I shouldn't be doing X and whatever X is. If I'm lifting beams with a crane on a job or if I'm directing traffic in a roadway. Yeah. That's what we try to encourage now as part of our safety program. Uh, we don't send you home with no, we're not going to send you home with no pay. We're not gonna. We're not gonna tell you, hey, go home, and when you get your head screwed on right, come back, because you can't be physically safe if you're not mentally on the game. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, they, absolutely. That's how they tie together. <clears throat> that's a great point. Um, have other leaders uh, at the company stepped up? I, I think. I think we were uh, chatting about. Um, Maybe some are, are uh, getting certified. Um, is that right? Some of the leaders have gotten certified. The uh, Mike Rand, which is our owner and CEO, he has allowed me to travel the country the past, well, heavily in February, March, and talk to other contractors and try to educate. He, cool. he, is, he is fully on board. Um, I was at a fundraiser in Tampa last night for mental health and um, vice president of the company was there with me. One of our safety managers was there with me. Uh, Our director of quality control was there. So people have definitely bought 
into the program and they're supporting the program. So yeah, there's support everywhere. Awesome. Yeah. How, how is this affecting your hiring process? Uh, this uh, culture of care has it made it easier to hire, pe- hire people or retain people. I gave a uh, talk at the Florida Asphalt Expo in uh, Orlando, Florida, back in December, and uh, mm-hmm. us, us contractors, we're all competitors on bid day, but after bid day, we're we're all there to help each other. And uh, right now, it's tough to hire people. And yeah. so we try not to take each other's workers. If, if one of my competitive people come here, you know, I'll call them and tell them, hey, you probably ought to talk to, to your guys, right? They're over here looking. I don't want to take them. But here's what I told mm-hmm. them in December when I gave that talk to them. I said, hey, we're all friends. And for the last year or two, I, I call you and I tell you people are knocking on our door. I said, here's what I'm going to tell you starting today. If you don't want your people knocking on my door anymore, then change the culture of your company to be more like ours because your people are saying they want to work for us because of what we've done and where we're going. So from this day forward, I'm going to hire your people if they come over. And if you don't want them to come over, then go back and take care of them. I said that in a room and probably 150 people in the room. Um, And in my research, I have interviewed a lot of companies across the U.S. And the companies that are doing really well in this, their leadership has bought into it, their safety people have brought into it, and they have just created those kind of cultures in their companies. So, yes, it's helped our hiring. You, you caught me off guard with that one. Uh, that's a great message of trying to help everyone, uh, the other other contractors and being close to them after bid day. But you caught me off guard with, uh, we're going to start hiring them. <laughs> Take action. I mean, I'm serious about this. Um, well, that, that's, hey, that's kind of where mm-hmm. I'm at. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, what, what do you think it is about uh, the the construction industry that makes it hard to talk about uh, suicide? Is it is it this whole mall show uh, culture? Well, you know, it's kind of a new topic, if you will. And I say new because the Centers for Disease Control only began documenting the rate of suicide in our industry in 2016. There's a lot of documented reasons why men and women, but predominantly men in our industry, take their lives. Um, one, we hire a lot of ex-military veterans, and we, we know the numbers with military veterans and their struggles. Uh, our workers in certain segments of this industry work rem- remotely for months at a time, away from family, away from their support. So they work all day, they go in the evening and have some beer, and they go to the hotel room and they repeat. Um, So we have a lot of uh, repetitive injuries in our our business as you get older. And if you're swinging a hammer or a shovel, you get elbows or knees. So doctor can begin to prescribe opioids or some other type of pain medication. 
um, yeah. a lot of people will begin to self-medicate with either alcohol or illegal drugs they purchase on the street. So there's all these things that are researched and done. But what I'm trying to sell through my research is those are kind of all like reasons. But, but to me, they're not the, the cause. The cause to me is leaders in this industry have long ignored the topic of mental health, have long promoted the macho, tough, be driven. Um, mm -hmm. Baby boomers in my generation, I think the way you advance your career the fastest was to be the one that you could yell the loudest. Mm -hmm. You were perceived yeah. as being a pusher and getting it done if you could just be out. And, and I hate to put it in the term, but almost abuse people. And, yeah. and in today's – I mean, if, if you go back to when I was younger, we, we had maybe, what, two generations. You had the pre-baby boomers and the baby boomers. And then, and then we get – X's and Y's and Z's and millennials and all of them. So I, I think to be a good leader or a good supervisor or a good foreman, whatever you are in today's world is really difficult because you have to be able to manage the baby boomers and the millennials and the X's and the Y's and the Z's. And they all think, yeah. they all think and behave differently. Right. Definitely. Um, See, so you can't lead the way you used to lead. So my research says that if we're going to fix this problem, we have to get leaders educated that there is a problem because most of them don't know. More than 90% of the companies I interviewed and when I asked them about suicide in the construction industry, they said, well, is that a problem? I, I didn't even know it was a problem. So you, you can't fix what you don't know is broken. So that's my mission that I'm on right now. And it'll probably be my mission and takes me through the end of my career, which is getting closer every day. And to educate leaders that you got to change the culture and you got to acknowledge that this is a problem and let's figure out how to fix the problem. But here's what I don't want people to take from my message. And, and I said this in April, I think I was. I was in Kansas City at a mental health conference, and we were in some breakout sessions. And You know, you listen to some of the younger people talk, and I love the younger people, so this is not a bash on them. But they, they think differently than the way the 60-year-old did about how we should care and take care of people. And I said, look, here's what I don't want people to get from my message. I don't want people to think that Vince Hayfley is out saying we got to hand out cotton candy and gumballs every day. It's a tough industry. It's a demanding industry. It's an industry that operates on low profit margins, tight bids. And there are going to be times when you do have to yell at someone to push them, maybe for safety reasons. But, but my message is, let's not be bullies. There's a, there's, a different, there's a difference between being vocal and being a bully. Um, 
So, hey, we just got to educate the industry, and there's there's some momentum going that way. In the last year and a half of my research, I've really seen a lot of momentum, particularly in probably the last seven to eight months. So I'm optimistic. The construction industry, I don't know hardly any leader that wouldn't tell you that he doesn't care about his people or she doesn't care about her people. This, yeah. this is just educating them on, hey, here's another piece of the care that you need to be watching for. Um, <clears throat> important message. I'm glad that you brought up the uh, cotton candy and gumballs. Um, it, 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 um, it's an important point for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. The, so Vince, you know, you, you had a lot of things happen to you at the same time. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it hurt your, your mental health. Um, do you have any advice for, you know, people, uh, you know, going through similar things, you know, how they can process or handle, uh, difficult times? The first mistake I made was not talking to anyone. And when I say anyone, I mean anyone. I didn't even talk to my wife at the time about it. I didn't even tell her how I felt. So uh, at a minimum, I should have had a conversation with her, right? Yeah. And if if I didn't have a sibling I could go to, Um, I have a small family. I never went and saw, I had never talked to a therapist, a counselor, until yep. early 2022. And the only reason I did then as a professor at the university in, in Tampa said, I will help you do this research, but you have to promise me you will go find a counselor to talk to because you are going to go through some stories and emotions and you're going to need someone to help or I'm going to not help you through the process. Yeah. So I, I did. Um, here's what I, I got out of going to that counseling. The first session is, hey, let's get to know each other. And the second session, we go a little deeper. The third session, she told me, she said, you suffer from anxiety, depression, ADD, and there was a fourth one. I don't even remember what it was. And I went home that evening, and I told my wife, I said, I don't know if I'll ever do this again. She said, do what? I said, I thought you were the crazy one in the family. And everything she told me today, and it it hurt me. I struggled with it. Um, nobody had ever said that to me before. I didn't think that I was depressed going through all those periods. So I go back to her two weeks later, and I and I told her. I said, "You you put me over the edge last time," and she said, "Those are labels." She didn't say, I didn't say you were severely depressed or you had severe anxiety or, or any of those things. She said, those are just talking points for us. So mm-hmm. here's to go deeper in to answer your question is when I interviewed all these executives, one of the questions in my research was, if I say to you the words mental health, what comes to mind? The first thing that came to most of their minds was silence. They didn't know what to say. Then they said, it's bipolar, it's anxiety, it's depression. Something's going on with them. Something's wrong with them. Well, that's not what mental health is. 
those are mental illnesses, which are a subset of mental health. So when she told me that I suffered from some of these mental illnesses, I did just like all those executives did. I went way off at the deep end thinking that I was just in terrible shape. Um, right. There's not a person in this world that has not had some form of mental illness at some point in their life. Because um, mental illness is from a one to a 10, with 10 maybe being bipolar. Some mental illness, uh, hey, I just, I don't know if you're a high school football player and you break your leg and can't play the rest of the season, you're depressed and that's a little bit of mental illness. Um, okay. So uh, what I want people to understand is there's no shame in discussing mental health. We need to discuss mental health just like we discuss physical health. I injured my shoulder two years ago, and when I told people I was going to see a physical therapist, they said I didn't need surgery. I got all thumbs up. That's great. Therapist to get a fix for you. Tell those same people that, hey, the professor wants me to go talk to a therapist, and it's, oh, I didn't know. Well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be perceived any different. Your brain is just another piece of your 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 body. It's another thing that can struggle at times, and a little counseling and a little talking can help you get back onto the path of where you're trying to go in life and help you out. Hey, if I if I was an excellent physical therapist, I probably wouldn't have had to go and see the physical therapist, right? Well, I'm not, I'm not a counselor, so I needed someone to talk to to just kind of put me back on the path of where I needed to be. And there are periods where I still, hey, I have highs and I have lows. There are days where um, I struggle. I mean, I, I was in Washington, D.C. this week for a TCC fly-in. And my day began with an email from a fellow contractor in Louisiana that wanted to hook me up with a young leadership group that he's in. And one of the men with two young children took his life over the weekend. That was my eight o'clock wake up. And then I went to the contractor meeting and they asked me to talk a little bit about my research impromptu. It wasn't planned. And I did. And when I got finished, a gentleman in the room came up crying. He had lost one of his construction workers over the weekend to suicide. So here it is by 1030 in the morning, and I've already been hit with these twice. Wow. I was a little depressed as I went through the day. You would be. So we all have highs and lows. The key is learning how to get out of those lows. Um, and most of the time, I do it by myself. My mom always told me that your brain's a powerful tool. And if, if you're feeling down or tired, you just got to tell yourself you're not and you'll get better. That works most of the time. But every now and then I still need someone to talk to. And I've learned to say that there's no shame in that. And if people think I'm weak for that, then, hey, you know what? I'm not going to make everybody happy. That's kind of the way it is. Yeah. The, the fantastic advice, uh, Vince. Thank you. Are you finding that it's easier to uh, talk about this, you know, the more, you, the more that you talk about it? 
Oh, 100%. I did the first webinar for the women of asphalt in March of 22 and wept like a little child going through it. And when I get out and go around and give talks, I generally begin by telling people that this will go one of two ways today. I'll either get through this perfectly or there may be a couple spots where I will lose it and maybe sob a little bit. Uh, I did that. I did that last night in Tampa at a fundraiser where I talked. I broke down twice, but I I tell people I'll be okay. Just let me get through it and I'll march forward. So it's, it's gotten better. Will it ever be a hundred percent? Probably not. And, uh, you know, yeah. a, a lot of it ties into where you're at. I, I, I had the tears last night because I was telling the story of, of my Tuesday. I mean, that was a slide I had of how did my Tuesday begin. And it's, yeah. it's emotional. And uh, so, yeah, it's better, but it, it's not perfect. Um, you've, you've talked a lot about this, but maybe can you kind of summarize, uh, again on how other leaders and companies can start to implement pro- uh, programs like, uh, Ajax Warriors? Well, the first thing you have to do is understand there's a problem and that's what me and the you others, know, a handful of us that are trying to educate people on that. And then you just have to, to say to yourself as a leader that, yeah, this really isn't that difficult to do. Um, I mean, I, I put together a little white paper that I give to people when they ask for it with some simple, easy steps on there, some websites you can go to. So it's it just the leader standing up and saying, hey, suicide in our industry is an issue. That ties into mental health. And we as a company from this day forward are going to begin addressing this. And there will be no shame or repercussions for saying that you're struggling. We're here to help you. We're here to support you. And that's what we will do. That's what leaders need to tell their people. Awesome. Um, Vince, I can't thank you enough for sharing all, you know, your story and advice uh, here. um, You know, on a personal level, just, you know, can't believe it. And, and, uh, really really thank you and i know all of our listeners will as well um what what's the best way for our followers to uh you know get in touch with you or follow and learn more about your story well they can look me up on linkedin i'm pretty active on there just vince hayfley or uh, i've got a little cheesy personal website that they can go to uh just www.vincehafley.com and there's a link on there to where you can send me an email and I respond to 100% of the people that ask for help. Uh, it's like I told some contractors last night where I was at. I'm here to help you, but I can't help you if you don't ask. And, right. and some of the help I may give you will maybe point you in directions of other people that may be better for what you're looking for in your particular company. But uh they can go to the Ajax Paving website and they can find my email address on there. So I can be found. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vince, thanks again. This really has been just a, an awesome chat. We really uh, have, have enjoyed it and uh, so much value. Thank you for okay. everything. Thank you.
We hope you enjoyed this episode with Vince about suicide prevention in the construction industry. Links to resources have been provided in the description of this episode. There's also a link to a TED talk given by Vince in the description that provides a little bit more context and information than this episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media for updates and watch all of our past episodes and new episodes on YouTube. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode in October.